Good morning, and welcome to another Mini Monday episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the murder of 15-year-old Nicole Vandenherk. So grab your cup of coffee, and let's get into it. Nicole Vandenherk was born on July 4, 1980 in Erkelenz, Germany. Her mother's name was Angelica Tegmeier, and she had given birth to Nicole after a one-night stand that she had had with a married man. So Nicole's biological father was not in the picture. When Nicole was two years old, Angelica met and married a Dutch singer named Ad Vandenherk. A few years later, Ad became Nicole's legally recognized father through adoption. In 1989, so when Nicole was nine years old, Angelica and Ad divorced. And during the divorce, something that rarely happens in Indiana, the father got full custody of Nicole. Yeah, it is interesting. You see that a lot in Indiana. They've gotten better, but they just tend to always lean towards custody going towards the mother unless something significant happens, which I, it's kind of weird because it's not that way everywhere. No, it's not. And I but I feel like in this situation it's even like stranger almost that it was her adoptive father that got custody of her and not her biological mother. True, but I I wonder though in the eyes of the law like once you're adopted by someone that is your biological quote unquote. Yeah. You know, you have the same legal rights. So This actually ended up being a good thing. I don't know the exact reasoning behind why Ad was the one that ended up getting custody of Nicole, but six years later after the divorce, so in 1995, Nicole's mother, Angelica, committed suicide. While Nicole was the legal child of Ad, she didn't always stay with him. He was a singer, and so he was on the road pretty often, so she would stay with her grandmother in the Netherlands. On Friday, October 6, 1995, 15-year-old Nicole Vandenherk left her grandmother's house around 5.15 p.m. to head to her job at the local grocery store. She would always ride her bike to work, so that was what she did. She got on her bike and left for work, said goodbye, and she was never seen again. She never made it to work. Later that evening, her bike was found by a river near her grandmother's house, but they had no sign of where Nicole was. On October 19th, so a couple weeks later, they found her backpack at a nearby canal. Police continued to search for Nicole to find out where she was. They had no idea if she was okay, if she was not okay. They had they didn't really have anything to go on. All they had was her bike and her backpack, and it wasn't looking great. Did police at least go into it investigating it as not a runaway i believe that they did from what it sounded like they went straight into investigating something bad happened to her but they just weren't sure if she was still alive or if she had been killed or what was going like where she was or what situation she was in it was seven weeks after her disappearance when a passerby was in the woods and he happened to stumble across her body in a forest that it was pretty close to her grandmother's house. Nicole had been raped and murdered with the cause of death being internal bleeding from a stab wound. So police at this point begin to investigate the murder. 
some point during the investigation, they had been asking for tips and a girl named Celine Hartogs came forward and said that she was working for the men that had been involved. Men involved? That's what she said. So she'd been detained at the time that Nicole went missing for drug trafficking, but she claimed that she worked with the men that murdered Nicole. Did she give names or how many? No. She didn't give any information, and so police just determined that her account was unrelated and that she was just blowing smoke because she was in jail. Oh, that's really sad. I hate when people do that. We talk about it so often in our cases where criminals will come forward while they're in prison or jail or whatever, and they'll be like, yo, I know who did it, but they're just... They do it because they've got nothing else going on, and they're grasping for some type of attention or anything, you know? And it's really unfortunate and it makes you think whenever you know you get information from people in prison or jail how much can you really believe and what do you have to take with a grain of salt Mm, exactly in the summer of 1996 so about nine months later ad and andy which andy is nicole's brother i haven't talked about him at all they were both arrested for the crime i don't know what set police off how old was he andy I'm not sure how old Andy was. I'm pretty sure that he was older than Nicole, though. Police continued to do their investigation and questioning, and they eventually cleared both Ad and Andy of being involved in the murder of Nicole. So they had some inkling, arrested them, and then decided they weren't involved and let them go. Yes. Okay. Going a little up and down here. Yeah. And I'm not sure the exact criminal justice system that they have in the Netherlands. I don't know exactly how it works, like what kind of evidence they have to have in order to arrest somebody. They could have just done it based on a feeling it, but or they may may have needed some sort of evidence. I'm not sure how that they handle it there. Around the time that they were released from jail, there was a reward that had been offered for information related to the murder. This led to nothing though, and the number of detectives working on the case just kept decreasing. It kept being less and less and less, which we see so often. Yeah, because they end up putting their resources on newer, more active cases. That have a more likelihood of being solved. Mm -hmm. That's how we get so many cold cases. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. This case went cold. In 2004, it was briefly reopened by a cold case team, but they just said briefly, I couldn't find any evidence, anything about what they looked into, but they failed and they didn't have anything to go on or any information that they could add to the case. And this is kind of a little side note, but there's a really awesome show about these two women who go and work on cold cases. It's called Cold Justice, I believe. Yeah, it's just one girl now. The one girl retired. Okay, but It is a really awesome show if you guys want to see that where they reopen these cases that just, you know, kind of get pushed in the back. And I highly recommend it. They do great. The one girl that still does it is an ex-prosecutor. And the other girl that used to do it used to do forensics. And so they made a really great team together. Now the girl that still does it is the ex-prosecutor. And she just goes around and works with other cold case detectives and uses certain people that she brings in occasionally for cases. They used to have it on Netflix, but I don't think it's on there anymore. But they still do new seasons and it's absolutely great. So I agree. Check it out. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. 
Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. In 2011, there was a new technology that had been developed, which we've seen so recently, all these technological advances. And so they were able to trace multiple people's DNA on one piece of evidence. When this evidence came out, Andy Vandenherk was like, all right, we need to exhume Nicole's body and test the evidence again and reopen it, start from scratch. We had this new evidence. We could actually solve this. And police were like, no, we're not exhuming her body. We're not going through that process unless something brand new, some sort of evidence comes to light. So. Yeah, but how are you going to get evidence unless you try to get evidence? Uh huh. Can't uh-huh. just sit there and hope it falls in your lap. Oh, Andy. Andy took care of that. Andy goes to the police and says, I murdered my sister. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I murdered my sister. It was me. So they arrest him, detain him. And now they have no choice but to exhume the body and investigate the DNA on the body. Oh, my gosh. So he did this to, you know, kind of kick him in the butt and say, do this. Find out what's going on. Oh, my gosh. What? Like, that's such a big sacrifice to get justice for her. It's insane. Because if the DNA comes back and... What if your DNA is somehow on her or like what if they can't actually get any DNA off and they're just like, oh, well, it's you and you just go to prison for the rest of your life. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge step on his part. They did exhume the body. They did test the DNA evidence. Andy's DNA was not on the body and he was released five days later. And I think police at that point were like, we should have just exhumed the body and just gotten it over with instead of going through this whole hassle. But they did find three different types of single sperm on Nicole. The three types were from her boyfriend, an unknown man, and DNA from a 46-year-old man, Jose G. And the reason that I'm saying G is because the Netherlands do not identify suspects by their full name. Oh, So, as you can tell, he quickly became a suspect. I'm just going to refer to him as G for the rest of the episode. He was initially charged with homicide in 2014 for the murder of Nicole Vandenherk. But they changed it to rape and manslaughter because they couldn't actually prove that he was the one that murdered her, but that he had raped her. And G had a history of rape. And so in one of the cases, he had taken a 20-year-old woman off of her bike, which is pretty similar to what happened to Nicole, but he constantly denied the fact that he did anything to Nicole. So in 2016, he was found not guilty of manslaughter and was convicted of rape. And part of the reasoning behind them not being able to charge him with the manslaughter was the fact that there was that unknown DNA on her body. And so the judge said there is that chance that slight that G just raped her and somebody else came in and murdered her. And that's where this extra DNA is coming from. It is interesting to me that there's two different DNAs on her. I mean, aside from her boyfriend 
And that one lady a while ago said that she worked with the men, plural. She did say that. Now, the person that they are charging, I don't believe that he had any relation to Celine. It's just like a coincidence, probably. But it's just, you don't hear that a lot. You know, if someone goes missing, they're trying to look for the perpetrator. Like, they don't just automatically go to more than one person. So it was interesting that on both of these accounts, it's plural. On November 21st, 2016, G was sentenced to prison for five years for the rape of Nicole Vandenherk. To this day, we still don't know who that unknown DNA was from, but props to her brother, like we said, for stepping up and admitting to something that he didn't do just so that they could try to get some sort of answers and justice for Nicole. It is unfortunate that they don't have concrete answers, but at least they have a little bit of closure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.